Yes, thank you, calendar. I just got the calendar reminder that we were recording today. <laughs> Such All a right. handy calendar. I know, right? You are listening to Love Ya, the gu- your guided tour through the world of streaming teen rom-coms. My name is Martha Sullivan. I am a young adult librarian and YA lit enthusiast, and I am joined, as always, by my wonderful co-host. I'm Marin Hagman, a youth services librarian and a rom-com enthusiast. Uh, and together we are traversing the extensive world of... Uh, at the moment, our streaming service, teen rom-com originals, we are slowly working our way through the Netflix oeuvre, uh, and today we are going to be talking about Candy Jar. Candy Jar is a um, 2018 Netflix original starring Jacob Lattimore as Bennett Russell, Sammy Gale as Lona... Last name I could not uh, you could not tell you for love or money. Um, also, Tom Bergeron as their principal, Helen Hunt as their guidance counselor, uh, Christina Hendricks as Lona's mother, and Uza Uzo Aduba as Bennett's mother. Uh, and if you don't mind, Marin, why don't you give us a quick rundown of what Candy Jar is all about? Yeah, so Candy Jar is about these two high school seniors who hate each other um, and each want to be the president of their prep school's debate club uh, in order to look good on their college applications. Um, And their principal decides that they will be co-captains, and it tracks them through their debate season, um, and they end up having to compete together, um, in order to qualify for the state tournament, um, during that process of having to work together, they go from being barely able to stand each other, um, to slowly following, falling in love, um, and a side, or The undercurrents of the plot also involve their two mothers, who are each single moms and have had a rivalry since high school. Um, And there is also a side plot that each of them relies uh, heavily emotionally upon their school counselor, um, played by the wonderful Helen Hunt, um, who, spoiler alert, um, passes away near the end of the movie in a car accident, um, which is part of what draws them closer together. Um, in possibly the only scene of the movie that I truly disliked. Oh, yeah? Hmm. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to it. Yeah, we'll have to talk about that. Um, yeah, I mean, I will definitely agree with you that I, I think her character was the least well-served. Um, but yeah, we will we will get into it. Um, yeah, so um, that is Candy Jar, um, and the film ends with uh, in a funny twist of fate. Um, they each got into the college that the other one wanted to get into, 
Um, and the film ends with them deciding to not go to prom together and instead to go watch a movie together. Um, which was a, a gag from earlier. Yeah, playing off the fact that both of them, their moms are like, you have to go to Homecoming. And both of them are like, mm, no. So they go see a movie instead in yeah. their Homecoming spiffiness. Uh, initial impressions. Um, yeah, I liked this movie quite a bit. Um, full disclosure, I was the captain of my high school speech team. Um, and while I did not do debate um, during the debate season, um, I did participate um, in congressional debate tournaments, they're called. Um, so I connected with this movie very much because... Um, this type of tournament was very uh, similar to my high school experience. Um, and um, I, I enjoyed both the main characters. I, I really enjoyed also how both of the moms were developed. Um, I thought that was um, really like just lovely writing that they kind of danced between of you know, why these moms dislike each other, but also, like, them realizing over the course of the movie that that might not have been earned. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Bennett, the, uh, the dude, his mother is Uzo, and she's a state senator, and their family is uh, wealthy. They're well-to-do. Um, and Lona's mom, Christina Hendricks, is a single mother who works an kind of undercurrent of um like a, a, a debate over class and wealth and privilege and how you know Lona is in debate and works so hard because she needs the like she's at the prep school on scholarship and you know is gonna need the the financial aid support um, whereas Bennett has a letter of recommendation from Barack Obama in his uh, college application. Um, I don't know that I, f well, I was about to say I don't know that the movie fully commits to this, but it's kind of like the main B plot is the, the yeah. mothers like discovering that they have more in common than they thought and how a lot of what they dislike about each other is sort of... Um, like superficial first impressions. Yeah. And like resentments, um, that they need to get over <laughs> because yeah. they stem from I, high school. <laughs> I was so, I was so impressed that I, I really thought this movie, there's a great scene after both Lona and Bennett get, um, turned down. Um, so Lona's applying to Harvard and Bennett's applying to Yale and neither of them get into those schools. And there's a, a great scene where they're both on the websites to like check their, um, application status and all of that. And then there's a great scene between Bennett and his mom where she's calling the admissions office and he's like, what are you doing? And she, you know, they have this great debate over, um, you know, does it, does it matter if he goes to Yale and she's like, it'll make your future better. And he's like, it, it's the first time I think that I've ever seen a teen movie, like fully confront the idea that where you go to college 
is a kind of BS superiority complex idea, which I then felt was undercut by the fact that they both just get into the other school that they applied to. Yeah, I thought that was a neat little twist. I I don't think I liked it. Really? (laughs) I think I would have rather the movie followed through on this idea that it doesn't matter where you go to college, that Bennett could have been just as successful not going to an Ivy League school. Like, that, I don't know, I... I get very frustrated because I work with teens, some of whom are going to go to Ivy League schools, some of whom are not, some of whom are not going to go to college at all. Um, And the fact that there are some kids for whom the college experience is not possible or not feasible or not the right choice. I get very tired of this idea that like college is the be all end all choice for your future. And I got really excited that I felt like this movie might actually... um, talk about the fact that Bennett could have other options um, and then that was just kind of erased by the fact that oh but he's going to Harvard so you know still yeah. I mean, still maintaining that status quo I mean I think they did um, I guess what I saw it was they each had to give up I thought it was Showing them that they would be okay with things happening unpredictably. Um, and I think that, I mean, to me, honestly, it wouldn't have been realistic if they didn't get into or wanted to go to prestigious schools. Um, and the reason I'm okay accepting that is because that's clearly what both of them wanted. Um, and I think it would have been nice to have a dialogue about how, you know, prestigiousness of colleges is kind of a crockpot and, um, you know, the privilege that's involved with that. Um, but they, I don't think that necessarily would have fit the characters. I, I think the characters were really invested in that idea. So it made sense to me. Um, well, and I... I think we start to get a little bit, it's almost like the movie had a thought of, oh wait, what if Bennett only wants this because his mom wants it for him? But we didn't fully, They, I, I don't know if that was actually what the movie was going for. It certainly felt in that scene like this could have been a, like, I don't want your life kind of sequence, um, which I think is why I, I got, kind of excited about the fact that like oh maybe we're gonna talk about something different now um but i i don't know that it fully realized that i think it wanted to kind of present that as an idea but yeah i think you're right i think ultimately that the two characters were very invested in that kind of ivy league opportunity for lona at least it made a lot of sense to me because right. she's coming from a background where like her chance to, you know, improve her life situation could be going to a really good school. Um, right. I, I just, I, I did get the sense in that one scene that maybe Bennett was only doing that because his mom had decided it was a good idea. Mm. Especially with the way that he's kind of tooling around in his, like, artist's notebook for a lot of the movie, and that never really gets developed. Yeah, but 
then I do also think, you know, just the fact that he, like, really invests in being on the debate team and, you know, having, oh, sure. having this achievement. I mean, I think that, yeah, I mean, I guess you're right that, like, the movie kind of floated that idea and then retracted it. Um, it makes it makes me wonder if there's another version of the script where the end, like the arc of Bennett's story is realizing that he wants different things from what his mom wants for him. And that like, he doesn't want to go to an Ivy league school. He maybe wants to go to an art school and like that ends up being okay. Um, I don't think that's the version of the script that we got, but I think that there are some clues that that may have been part of his story arc at one time. Sure. Um, Sure. And I think... Let's talk about... Oh, sorry. Oh, that's okay. Um, I was just saying, I think, though, that, like, they decided to just go for, like, these are two kids who are very competitive and who go to an elite high school, and it makes sense that they would go to elite colleges. I mean, I think that's what they ended up committing to, for better or for worse. I mean, I'm not making value judgment about that decision, but... Sure. I am just always hopeful that someday we will get a teen movie where the end result is it doesn't matter where or if you go to college as long as you are pursuing the future that you want to pursue. (laughs) This just didn't end up being that movie. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about Helen Hunt. Oh, poor Helen Hunt. Like, how did they convince her to do this movie? (laughs) She was lovely in this movie she was lovely in this movie but her character was so ill-served oh yeah um so helen hunt plays the guidance counselor who is also where the title of the movie comes from because her office is full of different dishes and jars of different kinds of candy um and she basically exists to provide words of wisdom to both of our uh both of our protagonists whenever they are feeling troubled. Um, and then she dies, <laughs> which was my least favorite scene of the movie because it felt so unnecessary. Like yeah. I felt like they could have, they could have removed her character in a, in a bunch of different ways and to just be like, Oh, she was in a car accident and she died. Yeah, felt a little disingenuous to me. And it kind of came out of nowhere. Also, she has no she has no personality in this movie outside of let me offer you these wise words. Um Yeah, she's like I, the I, manic I, pixie <sighs> dream guidance counselor. Yeah, I almost feel like the principal even had more of a like personality than she did at least he got to be kind of cranky at some point and she was I don't know she was lovely because she's played by um I've been saying Helen Hunt is that correct yes okay yeah because she's played by Helen Hunt so it's like you know she's she's got very thin material that she uses very well but also yeah she only her only character is let me make you feel better let me let me guide you to um 
to the correct answer. And as we all know from watching 10 Things I Hate About You, the guidance counselor character, there is room there for more like personality and individuality than I think she was allowed to have in this movie. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I think that she was supposed to be the voice saying, hey, as long as you are being true to yourself and having, you know, going forward on a path that makes you happy, it doesn't matter, you know, what each of those stages look like. And also open yourself up to the idea that it might not look like you imagined. Um, I think... I think it, there was some poignancy in having her pass away suddenly like that. Um, I think that the movie really could have committed more to it. Um, you know. Well, and maybe that was maybe that was my issue. Was it felt like it felt so unceremonious? Like, they have a short funeral scene, which is another way for Bennett and Lona to connect and develop their relationship, and then we just kind of move on? Yeah, it's almost like a women woman in refrigerator moment of, like, this death happens to propel their relationship forward. Yes. Um, and I think that, how long is this movie? Um, I mean, I think part of it, okay, yeah, 100 (laughs) minutes, hour and 40 minutes. So, yeah, I mean, I wish they had had five more minutes to really explore and develop that further. I think it would have made it seem less woman in refrigeratory. Um, but it also, from, like, a mechanics of plot perspective, it made sense to me. Um... Except that this movie spends a long time getting going. Like, the really start until we're about 40 minutes in. And by that I mean, like, when the two of them realize that they have to join the, like, team competition if they have... Um, any hope of getting to the debate finals or whatever. I admit I got a little bit lost in all of the like levels of debate competition. It felt a lot like regionals and semifinals and all of the different levels of competition on Glee. And at some point I just sort of tuned it out. Well, Um, and they didn't. Okay. So what didn't make sense and what was not clear to me. Okay. And this is where I'm going to bring my like time spent in high high school. Um, so... Please, please do. So, the couple of things that don't make sense. A, debate season, at least as sanctioned by what was formerly known as, I kid you not, the NFL, or National Forensic League, um, happens in the fall, first of all. It does not happen in the spring. Um, speech events happen in the spring. Okay, so that's gripe number one. And maybe they're... Maybe that's just a Minnesota-specific thing, but my understanding from the way national, like, the national organization works um, is that. B, okay, here's the other thing. So, if they, you know, each failed to qualify in the Lincoln-Douglas event, which is an individual speaker event, 
So I think that's what they're supposed to be saying, that, oh, they each, like, after the moms blow up, they lost their shot qualifying in Lincoln-Douglas, so they decide to do policy debate, which is a two-person team. That tournament will be happening the same day. Like, there's not, the way debate tournaments work from my experience is that the debate qualifiers happen at one time. So, I don't think that that's possible. Um, Unless, like, we're supposed to just kind of understand that maybe this is, like, two different organizations. Because sometimes, and we had this in Minnesota, sorry, and I'm getting very into the weeds and I can stop here. Please, no, please do, because I did not understand any of this. I just sort of was like, okay, the finals happen whenever they need them to. That's fine. Right, exactly. Well, and because there are differences between state debate events and the National Forensic League, so they're not always directly overlapping. So let me give you an example. So for three years in speech, I competed in the poetry category, The Minnesota State High School League has a poetry category that qualifies for the state tournament. Um, The National Forensic League does not. So when I participated in the National Forensic League qualifiers for nationals, I had to compete in drama. So the categories don't always overlap perfectly. Like different states operate their own like statewide competitions um but yeah again traditionally my understanding and maybe again this is just in minnesota but debate season is in the fall speech season is in the spring and um those events lincoln douglas and policy are two very standard events that i feel like almost every state organization has as part of their state debate tournament and they would be running at the same time um they would not be running in a separate tournament um so and i think the major the major arguments to be had that this is not like a state generate like this is not a singular state generated weirdness is because a they're talking about like they're talking about the fact that the admissions offices at harvard and yale would know and care about their standings in these debate events which tells me that these are events happening on a national like a nationally recognized scale and also lack any other details of where in space time are we i assumed we were on the east coast like one of the fancy blue blood prep schools which again i feel would would be the kind of school that participates in the nationally recognized um Right, and they're actually, like, often both are quite separate, so it is actually very possible that, like, you could have a very different state and national tournament. Um, They often don't talk to each other, um, because the National Forensic League, which is, I think they just decided that they were sick of being called the NFL The NFL. (laughs) And they changed, which, like, as high schoolers, we made a lot of debates about. Or jokes about. Okay, so they changed the name in 2014 to the National Speech and Debate Association. Um, So, yeah, like that, you know, organization is pretty separate and removed um, from the state organizations. Um, 
So that could actually, I could very easily see how those would be separate. But you're right that, like, the national tournament, you would think, would be a much more important thing for their college admissions. Um, and fun fact, the national, national speech and debate tournament happens in the summer. It doesn't happen during the school year. Um, so basically, any way we look at this, the calendar is weird. Exactly. As someone who, and again, thank <laughs> you for going into the weeds with me, but as someone for whom speech and debate was a seminal part of my high school experience, this calendar does not make sense, um, at least based on my understanding of how typically the schedule works. But the idea could be, like, if they have their own debate league or maybe their state does it a little differently, which does happen, I mean... Like I said, I could just be knowing from the Minnesota model, but, um, yeah, no, typically my understanding is that debate season's in the fall, speech season's in the spring, like, they would have already had, like, those two events, Lincoln, Douglas, and Policy, go together, so if they had not qualified in one, they wouldn't have qualified in the other, because they would have had to compete the same day, and, I mean, or they might allow double entry, some, I think, do, but... That, that would have been happening the same day. And that state tournament would have happened earlier in the school year. If they had qualified, wanted to talk about qualifying for nationals, that would have happened for the summer. So, yeah, this timeline does not does not match up. Thank you for going into the weeds with me. It's very rare that my understanding of the National Forensic League is useful in everyday life. So... I deeply appreciated that um, everything you needed to know about high school debate. So I'm not even being sarcastic there. <laughs> well, thank you. So before I talk about this next thing that I want to talk about, I want to preface it by saying I really did enjoy this movie. I thought yeah. it was very cute. I thought our lead actors were charming. I thought they had great chemistry. I liked the moms. Yeah. This movie did end up being a little bit of a microcosm of one of my least favorite rom-com tropes. Oh, what's up? Which is um, tightly wound professional woman needs to learn how to loosen up and accept love into her life. Oh, yeah. Um. Of our two leads, Lona is definitely the one by the end who has to learn, I think, more the lesson of, like, relaxing and letting go and having fun. Yes. Like, Bennett does, too, but he kind of learns it earlier. So, like, when we have our climactic um, debate team scene... um, which turns into the let me tell you about how I have learned how to enjoy life and break free of my like teen robot lessons. It's Lona who is kind of featured in that. Yeah. And I mean, I guess that is an argument for her still getting into um, Yale because it's not like she has to say everything I've been doing is wrong and now I'm a free spirit. Like she doesn't change that. much but it it did still bug me that it's like oh we have to do this with the the girl character yeah yeah. um how did we feel about their debate team opponents 
Dana and Jasmine. I liked the idea they were going for. I mean, again, as someone who I never did policy debate, but I watched enough rounds of it to be like, no, that's not what debate is about. Like, the whole point of debate is, and specifically policy debate, is it's supposed to be teaching students how to research and make, you know, really dense data-based arguments. And as someone who also participated on a speech and debate team with relatively little resources, like, you're still, like, you're missing the point. Like, there's a place for that argument, but it's not at a policy debate round. And if you're making a very valid argument, find the data and evidence to back it up. Yeah, so the deal with Dana and Jasmine is that they're from a rival school um, and are pitted against Bennett and Lona and like Bennett and Lona we get this whole thing about how you only have eight minutes so people have learned how to talk as fast as they which can which is a real thing really... oh yeah yeah figures and you know hammer home like the the opposing argument and Jasmine and Dana basically argue on anecdotal evidence so like they tell stories and connect on a human level and it's all very affecting and i could not help but feel that we had two characters of color coming out to be the ones that taught the uptight white girl how to feel emotions um which does get a little bit murky because bennett is african-american um but also dana and jasmine are hispanic and are you know, making the point over and over that they come from a lower income school. And that seemed maybe a little bit exploitative to me because Mm -hmm. they only show up like there, there are two other characters in addition to Helen Hunt who only show up to teach our main characters lessons rather than having like truly developed characters and inner lives. And I know we're dealing with a 90 or a hundred minute movie, but also that particular angle felt like it could have maybe been handled a little bit more delicately. Well, and I think that, yeah, it was never made clear that they were doing, yeah, they that they were there for anything besides teaching these more privileged characters. Um, it... Yeah, it, it was not clear to me that they had motivations of their own. Like, I was kind of interested in why Jasmine, like, why Jasmine chose to do debate at all. Right. Because her, like, visually and also in her delivery, because, yeah, she does not pay attention to the, like, she does not speak in the same rapid-fire delivery system and is very you know, feelings versus facts. Why was she doing debate at all? Right. Like, that was not clear to me about why she would even choose to participate in that at all. And that also seems like something that could have been solved really easily by, have like, giving her a scene with Lona or Bennett. Like, let her talk to them outside of the structure of the debate. Which is something that happens. I mean, I'll tell you, by the end of my four years in speech, I knew my opponents from different schools very well. Like, we were Facebook friends. Like, we, you know, we talked. It's, yeah, it's not as if kids on the debate or speech circuit wouldn't become friends. So, it's not as if they wouldn't have had plenty of time 
to like interact with each other outside of the round? Um So, let's do a little a brief little rom-com rehab here. Um I know we both broadly enjoyed this movie, but are there any things that you anything you would have fixed? Um, here, I think obviously we both would have appreciated a scene where Dana and or Jasmine got to actually speak to our main characters. Mm-hmm. I think we would have appreciated longer time spent on Helen Hunt's death um, and really or, developing that. For that is not to have her die, but to have her have to leave the school for some reason. Sure. Like... Like, maybe she has a personal thing she has to go leave to take care of. But then she can show up for, like, one final Yoda scene before being like, and now I have to go. And you, I'm setting you free to, you know, figure out your life on your own. I think that would have given me more um, closure with her character. Um, And also would have been more true to, like, the trope of the wise teacher that helps to uh the the teacher mentor figure that helps guide our characters sure um but something a little bit more satisfying than just she's dead now we only had helen hunt for a day (laughs) right that's really what it felt like it was like oh like clearly you guys had a limited shooting schedule with her so her character just needed to go away (laughs) um Yeah, I think I also, um, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's somewhere else I would have want the, the mom's storyline to go. Um, I would have been curious to have a scene where Bennett's mom, you know, kind of reevaluates based on the early conversation oh, no, you know, they have this conversation of, no, you have to go to Yale. It's going to give you so many opportunities. Um, And I think they could have spent a little longer with that before revealing that instead of Yale, he's going to go to Harvard. Um, And kind of her confronting that more. Yeah, I just did not feel that them simply swapping Ivy Leagues was a satisfying way to tie up that particular emotional note. Like I said, I would have, I would rather have teased out Bennett's obvious um, connection to art and, you know, maybe his desire for an alternative path to what Lona and his mother are both like thinking about. I think that would have been a good contrast to Lona being like, this is all fine and good, but I, I still really want, to go to a good school and him being like that's okay but this is okay too and i feel like we get just a taste of that and i i i would tease that out to it's i would tease that all the way out to the end of the arc i think okay yeah i mean again i think for me it made sense um just considering that they're both at an elite prep school um but i get what you're saying i mean i think that they shouldn't have left that, like, little thread out there if they weren't going to fill, you know, if they weren't going to pursue it. It's like a, a Chekhov's gun that doesn't go off. Mm-hmm. 
All right. So, Marin, at the end of the day, do we recommend this movie? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think this was... I mean, it's certainly no to all the boys I've loved before, but it was really fun. Um, it had some really good acting. It had, I think... I mean, again, I'm a little biased because this is an experience I connect to very deeply. But I, I think overall it was a fun, well-done movie. Oh yeah, I I thought it was I thought it was fun. I thought it was interesting. I I really thought it was um, kind of nice that the romance aspect was almost like a B plot to everything oh, yeah. else. Like they have kind of bigger concerns happening, and at some point, you know, they have their their little kiss moment. But Lona's like, we got bigger fish to fry at the moment, so let's deal with that first. <laughs> um, which I enjoyed. But yeah, I liked it. It's, you know, less than two hours and a movie has to be really bad for me to not be like, you know, you could, you could check this out. Yeah. 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 I think it's worth everyone's a hundred minutes. For my recommendation for all of you that I'm going to leave with you this week, I normally go the book route, um, but honestly, I was having a little bit of trouble finding a good enemies to friends to lovers uh, teen book that I enjoyed that I wanted to uh, recommend. And I'm really stuck on Booksmart these days, so I'm going to recommend that. Uh, Booksmart is a little movie that came out this summer. You may have heard of it, uh, directed by Olivia Wilde. Um, it's really cute. It also deals with um, kind of college confusion and uh, acceptance. Our, our two main characters, you know, work their butts off all through their high school uh, years so that they can get into the college of their choosing um, only to do so and then find out that all of their peers in high school also got into the colleges that they wanted to go to without killing themselves and sacrificing their social lives. Um, so that was sort of a neat, uh, little alternate, alternate vision, I guess, of the, Mm -hmm. where you go to college is the ultimate decision trope. Like it's still important in this movie, but the lesson that our main characters have to learn is that they're not better than other people just because they, you know, sacrificed their chance at. Um, having fun and enjoying high school rather than just destroying themselves over schoolwork. So I think it's, I don't think it's in theaters anymore, but as soon as it's out on DVD, go rent Booksmart. Um, so I'm going to recommend the 2007 movie Rocket Science, um, which stars Reese Thompson and a very young Anna Kendrick. Um, hey. Yeah. And I picked it because I think it's the only other piece of pop culture I'm aware of that focuses on high school debate. Um, nice. Yeah. And it is a much darker movie than Candy Jar. Um, but it's about a young man who has a very tense relationship with his family who kind of starts to use debate. Oh, and he has a stutter. That's a very big plot point. Um, and he tries to use high school debate to gain his confidence, gain confidence, and win over Anna Kendrick. Um, 
and it does not end up working out that way, but it's just a lovely little movie about this boy finding his voice, quite literally, um, and yeah, it's, you know, it's a proof point for why Anna Kendrick has since become a star. Um, so yeah, I would, I would highly recommend it. And what's the name of that one? Rocket Science. Rocket Science. Mm -hmm. All right. So our recommendations for all of you guys are Booksmart and Rocket Science. Go check those out. Next episode, we are going to be looking at the Netflix original DJ Cinderella, um, which is a 2018 movie starring Mesa Silva, Phil uh, Philippe Braganza, I'm sorry if I mangle any of these names, uh, Fernanda Pace-Leme, and directed by Bruno Garotti. Uh, that is available streaming on Netflix. If you would like to follow our show on social media, please uh, subscribe to all of our sister show and podcast umbrella did you do your homework you can find that on twitter and instagram at dydyh podcast uh, you can find us on facebook um, if you just search did you do your homework it'll bring up our group you can follow me online at all the places at magical martha i am most active on twitter and instagram uh, marin where can people find you uh, so you can find me on Twitter as a underscore star underscore danced, um, where I tweet a lot about uh, politics, things related to Minnesota and romance novels. You can find our show um, attached to the Did You Do Your Homework feed. We are on Opposing Wednesdays from uh, Did You Do Your Homework, although, you know, listen to both. They're both pretty fun. Uh, and you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, uh, and you can find us on Spotify now. So go do that, tell your friends, and we will see you in a couple of weeks to uh, get deep into DJ Cinderella. Thanks for listening, and we love ya. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks. You too. Talk to you later.